Hello, welcome back to On the Air with Brett and Claire. Today we're taking a break from all the brain tumor talk to bring you a very special episode. We have our first guest on the podcast, my mom, Kathy. My mom has lived a really interesting life, so we thought we would sit down with her today and do a little interview. I'll leave the introduction to her, so with that being said, let's jump into the episode. Mom, you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Kathy with a C. I'm really excited to be here this evening. I think this is a fun thing that Brett and Claire have uh, started, and they've already accomplished two, so I hope to generate a little more listeners. (laughs) And back to you, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on, Mom. We're glad to have you. Um, So you obviously were born quite a while ago, and (laughs) you had your teenage years in the 70s and 80s. You want to kind of talk about what you did back then and how it's different from Mm. life nowadays? Maybe not talk about what I did back then. (laughs) It was the 70s and the 80s. Uh, 70s was a time of, you know, flower child and hippies and bell bottoms and crop tops. Uh, You know, going to the drive-in. Actually, yeah, going to a drive-in movie. Bring back drive-in movies. That was such fun experiences in my life anyway. I know people really enjoy that. Um, Let's see, what else in the 70s and 80s? 80s came disco, and I'm a Bob Seger fan who said, take me to a disco, you'll never get my feet on the floor. (laughs) I was not a disco person. Give me hard rock. (laughs) Damn it, clear cut! So how do you feel like life is different now from back then? Computer, technology, DNA, we didn't even dream about those in high school or junior high. You know, we didn't even think about that. I mean, we were just getting a man on the moon. And uh, yes, I saw, you know, the man, uh, the lunar landing and, you know, it was fabulous. So does it feel like we're in the future now? Then? Definitely. It's such an electronic world. And we just didn't have that. I mean, we had little transistor radios. I know. Even little babies nowadays are just carrying around phones. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, it's a whole different So y'all didn't even have, like, cell phones, though, right? Like, back in the day? No, but my dad had the first phone in North Texas installed in his car. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he had that. It was real neat to call on that and call home. Mom, what do you need at the grocery store? Was it hard to, like, call other people in the Well, like, offices and, you know, things like that. No, you call. Anybody had a phone? How many people had a phone back then? Oh, everybody had a phone then. In the 50s, yeah, everybody had a phone then. Just not in their car. Yeah, just not in their car. Yeah, you were the fancy one. He was the fancy one. Um, When did y'all get cell phones? Like, when did you get your first cell phone? Oh, my gosh. Got my first flip phone in what year? I was alive by that point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you just, like, waited a long time to get one? Well, no, not very long, you know, once they came out. When did cell phones even come out? I don't even know. I don't know, but I remember you getting your first phone after I was born. We didn't travel with phones. So you're used to, like, pay phones. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. (laughs) I don't even think I've seen a pay phone. I haven't seen any in years. Yeah. I think they really took them all out. So how would y'all, you would just like call someone on a payphone if you needed to hang out with them? Before you left the house? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, true. That's the only way to do it. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. It is. What's like the biggest shock you think like from life? Like, I guess it seems like life was much more simple back then. And now it's like, there's just, everyone's too connected. Like I can just 
text someone at any time. It doesn't matter. You know, like we're way too connected now. What is like the biggest thing you think that freaks you out? Like every day you wake up, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we do that. I cannot believe not only have we cloned over the years, but that uh, we are revising DNA. And that just blows my mind that we could actually be creators. Yeah. And uh, with me on that basis, uh, I'm not a Bible thumper, but on that basis, it it's contrary to my it's religion. It's like playing God. Yeah, it's playing God. Yeah. Now, we do a lot of things nowadays that it's like, how do we even know how to do that? So for those that don't know, my mom and I moved to Alaska for about a year when I was pretty young. Um, and that was not your first time there. You want to talk about what made you want to move to Alaska for the first time? I studied Alaska since I was a little girl. I knew every town, every mountain, every stream, and I always just wanted to go. And I was working at an oral surgeon's office as his uh, assistant, his nurse assistant, and these people came in, and they were from Wasilla. And that's a, a, a town in Alaska. It's not the size of Anchorage, but it, it's Wasilla. And they were talking about the great big pumpkins that they grow. Remember the state fair? Saw all the pumpkins and cabbages and everything because they grow almost 24 hours a day. But I've I always had the yearning to go. Just always had the yearning to go. When did you first move out there? I went there in 91. I loaded up mostly blankets. A TV, really, mostly blankets and cold weather gear, a TV, and two dogs. How long did you stay out there the first time? Oh, I was there for two years. Yeah. Two winters, as they say. What made you come back? My mother had breast cancer. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Had to take her to Houston. What part did you live in that first time? In Anchorage. You Really, it's hard to live anywhere else. Uh, it's so expensive. It's and isn't it like dark for a long time there, like out of the year? You know, it's real funny, Brett. I can tell you how that works. It's like you're sitting at your desk and you're looking out the window. And the midwinter, it'll just get to be dusk. And then it's black. Yeah. yeah. And it's black for 22 hours a day in Anchorage. That's crazy. But you know, you just go with it. It's like yeah. when it snows up there, I mean, we freak. It's Texans when it snows. And up there, <laughs> yeah. you just go to work and go to the grocery store and do what you got to do. It's like dark, though? It just feels like nighttime or what? It's, it's nighttime. I remember wearing snowsuits to school. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm kind of jealous because, like, I love the snow so much, and we don't get any of that here. It's always hot here. At least we've had a little. Yeah. This winter's been better. So Anchorage, and it was just like, so it would just be like dark all day long? That's crazy. Stars in the imagine. sky. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, so what did you do out there? Actually, um, I was the co-supervisor of MAP, the Male Awareness Program, and it was for convicted offenders of uh, abuse, physical, mental, sexual and the judge would send him to our program. And so it was a male awareness program. And uh, we would do classrooms full of these men. We dealt with the men in this classroom full and just get up there and tell them how the cow ate the cabbage. In other words, why does she want to have sex with you when you just punched her through the wall? Yeah. 
I mean, it's like these guys don't get it. That's not what brings back the wife. It just makes her more. And we talked all about emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, any kind of abuse there is. And, you know, some of these guys, they didn't even realize they're abusive because they grew up that way. No, that's hard to even imagine. And this is in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like you got out of that experience? I forgave my ex-husband. What do you mean you forgave him? I forgave him for the abuse. Oh, I got you. That's what I got. And it's true, Brett. Yeah. I can imagine that'd be really tough, but I mean, that's a good lesson to get out of it, especially such a hard one. Just run. Any women that are out there that are being abused, there are resources. You can do it. Where do you think your adventurous spirit came from? Because I feel like I have a lot of that now from you. But where do you think you got all of that to be able to make that move to Alaska the first time? My mother. My mother went to UT, Austin, and she took flying lessons. Flying <laughs> yes. lessons. Oh my God. <laughs> Much to her father's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> See, mother always had a real adventurous spirit. She was quiet and prim and proper and everything, but no, she would, she'd take off and do yeah. something. Mm-hmm. What's like the most adventurous thing you think you've ever done? Driving the Alcan four times. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're in back. They're in back. What is that for people out there who don't know? Oh, the Alaska Highway. Alaska Highway goes through Canada and then up on Anchorage. Is there like crazy things on the highway or what? Oh, gosh, yes. Moose. Really? Caribou. (laughs) (laughs) How big are moose actually? I've never seen one in person. Are they huge? I can't. Yeah. I can't describe how big a moose is. Yeah. They're apps. You've seen cows. Yeah. Well, make three cows. Well, Two heifers. Yeah. Yeah. At least two and a half. I can. Yeah. I've heard that they're huge. Their legs are so long, y'all. Oh, they're I've heard they'll so kill you quick. With those big knuckles. I mean, I've seen them up close and personal. Yeah. You know, ever cat get the hair on his head. Yeah. My mom used to have a slug bug and I remember being in Alaska and sitting at a stoplight and then there was just a giant moose or caribou or something moose. right out the window and it was twice the size of the car. That's insane. Right in downtown Anchorage. What else was on this highway? What would, what else would you encounter? Oh, um, beauty, beauty. Every every corner, every around every corner is a postcard. It's this beauty. Is it pretty untouched out there? That's my Harry. dad went up there. And he said it was like it's just pretty much how it used to be. It's natural. It doesn't seem like they've done a, a ton to it or destroyed no, they stuff haven't. yet. It is pristine wilderness. It oh, it's just gorgeous. I actually caught the ferry. The first time I caught the ferry to Bellingham, uh, from Bellingham, Washington to uh, Ketchikan, and then did the ferry system on up to, uh, I think that's Gagway. I think it's Gagway. And then drove on into Anchorage. Yeah. How, so you drove across it four times, you said? There and back, there and back. <laughs> oh my God. How <laughs> long is it? Like, how long would that take? I don't remember how many miles it is. Do you remember time? Like, how many hours it was? It was days. Days? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's days. Dang, that's got to be a lot of miles. <laughs> like hundreds and hundreds of miles. We put on a lot of miles. Yeah, yeah I bet. Well, that's cool. So we talked about why you came back the first time, but why did you go back to Alaska a second time? Because I wanted to raise you in Alaska because I loved Alaska. I loved every single thing about it. I love the diversity of people and you know, culture with the native Alaskans, you know, that that's what thrilled me was learning about all those different cultures from different tribes. 
No, I wanted you to be raised in this pristine wilderness and clean. I mean, you wouldn't even think of littering in Alaska. You wouldn't dream of it. You would not dream of it. There is no litter in Alaska. What do you think it is about like the pristine nature that you wanted to raise her in? Did you just, is that how you think everything should be? Or like, what was it about that that drew you in? Well, I wasn't much of a city girl. Yeah. I've already been on farms. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't much of a city girl. So I tried to get Claire out. Well, for what I've seen out there, it's so beautiful. I'm guessing in person, it's just different too. Like it just, I can't imagine how it feels to just be there. It's just majestic. Yeah, you don't really get that here any, anymore, anymore, I don't think. No. Can you imagine if I would have turned out a little wilderness child? <laughs> <laughs> so when you were in Alaska the second time with me, you want to talk about what you did there? Yes, I uh, uh, I had three job offers the week I got there, and I ended up taking the oral surgeon's offer. Uh, of course, that's pretty much what I did for 15 years. So um, I, I got on, you know, did the interview and got on. And um, everything was great. Making great money, going to be able to save for rent, for Claire and I to move out. You know, we were living with a friend of mine, uh, her husband and two kids. <laughs> yeah, in the basement. So, um, anyway, uh, um, as for the oral surgeon's office, they were premier. They were three of the most premier guys there. They were good. They were very good oral surgeons. But uh, at a party, an in-office party, I met one of the doctor's wives. She was from Texas, and we hit it off in about two seconds. Yeah. And, you know, she wanted me to come over, and, you know, I mean, she was just so glad to see a fellow Texan and all this. So that's, that was all well and good. So one day, I get to work really early, and uh, I go up, start setting out my trays, getting things sterilized and everything, and I go into this operatory to turn on the light, and there's my boss with the dental assistant. Oh, no. So, lo and behold, I was fired the next day. Oh, no. For my premier job of being able to make a living in Alaska. And that was it? He just fired you? like? Oh, we said I was too slow, but I know what I got fired. So he didn't say anything about it? That's all he said. Oh. Well, you're, you're just kind of slow. That's crazy. That's terrible. Gosh, I'll get better. I've only been here, bro. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're like, I just got it. How long into like, being there did that happen? I think I was there six months. Oh, yeah. So you pretty much just were still just getting there. Oh, wow. What made you want to get into oral surgery? Because you did that for a long time before Alaska, even. I just tried it. I heard, uh, you know, I heard somehow that uh, a doctor that my parents knew, went to school with, was looking for a dental assistant, and uh, I applied for the job. It was the most rigorous interview that went on two hours that I've ever had Ooh, in my I life. Oh my gosh, it was rigorous. He he was good. He was good, and ended up working there ten years, and then I left for a couple of years, and then I went back and worked for uh, four more years. Did you have to go to school for all that? I didn't. I was grandfathered in on x-rays and everything. I mean, I knew it, you know. So I, they just taught you, like, in there how to do it? Like, in Every the single step. Wow. Uh, he had me stand beside him during surgery. That yeah. was my first day. To see if like, I could handle the blood and guts. Yeah. They yeah. don't do it like that anymore. You got to go to school for everything now. Yeah, you have to be certified for everything. Yeah. But not then. I was grandfathered in. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. All right, let's back it up a little bit to my birth. So you had me at 39. Um, that's obviously pr- 
pretty late in life. Do you want to talk about what that was like? Yes. Um, it was the most glorious event of my life. I was giving birth to you, Claire. It'll always be up there. Um, I wanted you and wanted you for years and years and years, but I never did find a partner. So until I met your dad, um, it just wasn't in the cards for me to have a child. And I, uh, all of my friends, or, you know, most of my friends were having children, then they're having children, and here I am with a 23-year-old. <laughs> I always thought if I could ever put you down, that I would make it through raising you. <laughs> I thought I toted her, oh my gosh, I towed her everywhere. We went on long trips for days. I mean, we went all over the country. Her as a baby? Oh, just a little, a little older. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you toted me to Alaska. <laughs> I did not have the nurse tell me if it was male or female. Well, I didn't want to know. God's gift was going to be God's gift. It didn't matter. So I had the nurse, or asked the nurse, to uh, write down the gender and put it in an envelope and seal it. And she did. And I brought it home from my appointment with a sonogram and gave it to my mother. My mother was dying of cancer. And we decided that uh, if she didn't, you know, she was to the last end, you know, to the end, that she could open it and find out the gender of the baby. But my mother lasted. She lasted nine more months after Claire was born. And um, again today, I didn't even know if I wanted a boy or girl. It did not matter. Not one bit. I just want a baby. I just want a baby. And she has exceeded my expectations, even at this young age. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. You have a pretty awesome kid. So how old was Claire when y'all went to Alaska, when you went the second time? Five years old. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. And you remember that much? Yeah, I mean, I remember a lot. It was a pretty crazy experience, so it's not really something I think I would forget. Yeah, true. I guess whenever you drive across the entire country to U-Haul, right? That's pretty crazy. U-Haul, the next to the biggest U-Haul and a VW bug on a trailer on the back. Yeah, that's crazy. With me and our dog. That's right, with Claire and the dog. So, you were you were a single mother the whole time, correct? Yes. Was that really hard? Like, how did, what would you say was like the hardest thing about it the balance not just of work and fun not just of work and fun but the the balance of life I didn't really try to be a dad declare I, I that just that didn't seem to be my role you know I didn't take yeah. her out hunting I should have because I hunt <laughs> you know I, sh- I shouldn't have you know I, I mean she fished yeah. you know and did stuff yeah. but I didn't really do the daddy thing and I know she just needed her dad's arms wrapped around her, you know, just a big hug. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, it happens. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be really tough. But yeah, I can imagine like trying to understand the balance is weird. And you're like, I don't know whether I should be a mom right now or dad right now. I can imagine that's extremely difficult. It is because you want to tell, you know, pretty much both sides of the story. And yeah. I just really wasn't able to do that well. Yeah, well, I can imagine, especially around like your kid, it's like really hard to know. It's like you only want the best for him, and it's like you kind of you get wrapped around in your mind thinking about those things. So I can imagine that's tough. 
Well, I had become disabled at this time, too, so I was a single mom disabled. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I don't, I'm not lying. Yeah, I can It imagine. was very, very tough. Yeah. But I have great friends as a support system. Great friends. Yeah. Just in memory, what are, like, the... What's like your favorite time when Claire was little? Like what, what was y'all's favorite or what was your favorite thing that y'all used to do? Like Easter. Easter. Hunting Easter eggs. Where would y'all do Easter? Oh, uh, well, we did it. Uh, we, uh, the first time at the first, well, not the first time, but later on when she grew up a little bit, like five probably, um, we did it at my dad's house and I did it all outside, yeah. of course. And I mean, they, we still found eggs months later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but one of my favorites was an Easter egg hunt up in um, Oklahoma. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, has uh, uh, had family up there, and they do a big Easter picnic. And we'd go out in the meadow and put down blankets, and oh my God, every woman there would bring something to eat. Oh, and uh, uh, the family would put like five, ten, twenty dollars in the eggs. Yeah. So ever oh ever I got so many children so many children probably. there it was a madhouse yeah, it like, was that money out there but just watching all of them plus Claire do that was is really a fond memory for me that's funny it actually reminds me of my uh, my Easter's because we would go to Oklahoma too and it, we would be on what we call the EIO, EIO or ranch or whatever because it was my aunt's farm but yeah we would do the same thing like huge Easter with all kinds of kids same thing money in the eggs all throughout the ranch yeah. No, that was a fun time. But, yeah. Um, well, another thing I want to talk about is your love of dogs because that is definitely something I got from you, too. Just when did you realize your love for dogs? As soon as I held a puppy. <laughs> okay, I guess that was a stupid <laughs> question. <laughs> but you also, like, trained dogs. Yes, a friend of mine trained dogs for field trials, uh, pointers. English pointers that uh yeah we trained him for field trial I was his right hand girl and he taught me along with the dogs and we hunted with him uh coon hunting had a coon hound hunted with him how hard is it to train a dog repetitious and praise repetition and praise yeah I've watched videos of people training dogs and it's like you always when you see a dog do something you don't think of all the training that leads up to it but you're like how do they learn how to do that and it's crazy to see like kind of how simple some of it can be to treat like train them how to do something. Dogs are smart if you'll just spend the time with them to train them they'll do anything for you. Yeah anything. They are really smart and they love food. <laughs> <laughs> I love those treats. Yeah that's funny. How long did you do that for? Train. Oh, a couple of summers, I guess. Okay. Yeah. It was like a summer job or just you just did it for fun? Well, I mean, uh, my friend had those dogs and more. I mean, on one farm, we had 80 plus dogs on oh, my wow. farm in Pleasant Valley. 80 plus. That's crazy. It's like cattle. It was like cattle, but they were so well trained. That's the only way to have dog is have manners. Yeah, Frankie could use some work on those. <laughs> yeah, he could. I have had three dogs in succession that have lived to be 17 years old. Really? Yeah, I have longevity with dogs. I've seen some older dogs. They do start to kind of fall apart around like 14, 15 though, usually. Yeah, yeah. if you can get to 17, that's pretty that's darn really good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've done a lot of interesting things in your life, but what would you say has been your favorite Aside from I'll say next to Alaska, uh, going to Paris and Barcelona, and all points between my sister and brother-in-law 
to Clarenay, and uh, we landed in Paris after a long, long plane ride, and scoped Paris out. We never feel like, as my sister would say, we cracked Paris. We we probably needed more of a guide. They're just, you know, we didn't get around as much as we did, but we did all the touristy things that we could get to, and of course, we went to the Louvre, and I think that's one of the most exciting experiences I've ever had in my life was the Louvre. It, I mean, I was overwhelmed. Like, never before in my life was I overwhelmed with all that beautiful art. Yeah. And then we actually took a car down to, uh, I know we took a train down to Provence, and it was a little community and had a little flea market going on out there, and we did the touristy thing and went to that, and then we drove uh, to Marseille which is a coastal town in France. And I got my butt pinched twice. So the funny all these years has been, I'm going back to Marseille. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, I heard from Claire that you almost didn't fly on the plane because you don't like planes. I prayed hard for <laughs> six months. I went to bed crying, crying. Like six months before? Before we had to depart. <laughs> I did. I mean, I would pray till I would cry every night. I've never heard of dread. Oh, like it, that. I, it was it's probably the biggest thing I've ever had to dread. Yeah. It's that plane ride. Yeah. But my doctor felt sorry for me, so he gave me a couple of Xanaxes, and I sat down next to a hygienist, and I think I was in mid. Did they work? Mid word. Yeah. <laughs> mid word. And I just conked. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, I conked out. That's good. At least you didn't have to worry the whole time. Oh, no. Oh, no. How long was I, that I probably will never get back in a plane again. Do you remember how long it was? Yeah, it was like eight or nine hours. Eight or nine hours, yeah. Oh, that's a really long time. And then we, we went to Barcelona, which my uh, very dear friend... And her husband had an apartment there. I think it was on the 13th floor, wasn't it? It was high up. It was overlooking the Mediterranean. So we got to go there and stay with her and run around with she and her husband and see all of Barcelona. We got to go out on a little boat, you know, into the Mediterranean. Oh, it was the trip of a lifetime. I'm yes, very I grateful to my sister and brother-in-law. Yeah, I still haven't been able to go to Europe and I'm really jealous because I want to go see it all. It just every time I see pictures of it or y'all talk about it, it just it's like the amount of just everything is so much more beautiful compared to here. Just because like the rich history and everything that's happened, it's like And the architecture, that's what I enjoy. Yeah, that video we were watching, everything was so amazing. Like just looks outstandingly like beautiful. It's the only way I could ever describe Paris and Barcelona, it's a different flavor than America. Yeah. It's just a whole different flavor to it. That's yeah. I don't really know how to say that. No, I want to go experience it so bad. Well, y'all will. Y'all have time. Yeah. Y'all will. We just need this COVID stuff to end. What do you look forward to in the future? Just to live peacefully, which I do. I'm very content. I live very peacefully. I know my God. Um, really, I just need to improve on health. I'm just, you know, I'm older. And W.C. Field said one time, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I was kind of live by that motto. I did not take good care of myself. <laughs> I feel that. It's never too late. That's right. That's right. I'm glad you say that because, like, we've recently just been like, man, we need to really take care of ourselves. Like, it's, I think all this COVID stuff kicked that off for a lot of people, but it's like we weren't really like we didn't think about that or care about it. And now it's like we're trying to eat like way better and like actually walk or exercise somewhat. 
but it's weird that you just don't think about those things. Mm-mm. You don't until you don't think about your body until something goes wrong. Everything's automatic. <laughs> right. It's just you know it's automatic. I really understand that now. Yeah, yeah you check really engine do. light will come on. You're like, oh, maybe it's time <laughs> to do something. All right. What do you think are like the main ingredients for living a happy life or content life? Well, happiness comes from within. If you expect to lean on somebody else for your happiness, it's not going to work. Yeah. You have to dis, uh, you have to evaluate yourself all the time yeah. and just, you know, like I say, see where you're at, as they would say. Yeah. Um, to me, if I'm good with my banker and I'm good with God and I'm good with my friends, then I'm at peace. That's one thing I really admire about you is like you're very go with the flow. You're just kind of like, yep, life is what it is. And I'm so uptight sometimes. I just look at you and I'm like, man, I kind of wish I had some of that because like I get so wound up and worried about stuff. There's no sense in worrying. It doesn't add a day to your life. I know. That's what I've learned, but it's just so hard. It's a habit. It's a hard habit to break. Well, what else do you think is really important to live in like a, a happier, content life? To have a pet. <laughs> pet yeah. Yeah, 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 really. I, don't I disagree. mean, I really I think that people should really own pets. Yeah. It gets them up out of that easy chair. It, you know, it gets them taking a walk around the park, it gets them companionship, unadulterated love. Yeah. You know, I mean, just uh, worship the ground you walk on. I think it's different, like, because when you're a kid and your parents have pets, like, it's a little different than when you, like, have your own pet, you know? Because I feel like us having Frankie and Stinger, it's like, you'll catch me sometimes. I'll just be, like, loving on them, you know? Like, you just catch, find yourself being like, man, I love these animals, you know? And it's so weird because it's, like, it's just a wild animal that's in your house and you love them to death. I love it. Yeah, that's a good point. On that note, I think that about wraps it up. Everybody get out and go rescue a dog. <laughs> and thanks for coming on the podcast, Mom. Thanks for having me, y'all. Great. Yeah. Um, well, everybody go follow our Instagram. It's at on the air with Brett and Claire. And leave us a five-star review. Nothing less. Give us a follow. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye, y'all.